Hello fellow sports photographers, my name is Dean Mokdoropoulos and I am a sports photographer for Getty Images. I am doing a podcast uh, for the first time in a long time, um, as you will see from my feed, uh, on the Winter Olympics Beijing 2022. Now, if you've listened to the back catalogue and you're, I'm going to say, regular listener to the previous podcast, you'll sort of get an idea of what this is going to be about. But if you're new to this, um, as many of you will be, because, uh, like I said, I haven't done a podcast for a while, I am going to be, over the next uh, few weeks, reporting on how it is to be working in Beijing. Um... Let me start with how we get here. I'm in a hotel at the moment. I've been in Beijing for a few days now. Um, And this is my sixth Olympics. I've done four summers and this is my second winter. So I don't know how, but I've become an experienced photographer. And it was a big challenge just to get in here. Now, the amount of work that actually went into preparing this, um, not from my point of view, from um, the assigning editors, from our staff that were involved in the accreditations and the hotels and the flights and getting all the regulations from the different, uh, from the International Olympic Committee, from the Beijing government, from, from the local organizing committee. It was so much work in the get the ball rolling let's say to get us here in the previous weeks um every day again this is from the chinese uh organizing committee from the chinese government um obviously during a pandemic and organizing an event like this has been a logistical nightmare it has been a a disaster for you know many uh fellow uh, journalists and unfortunately again athletes because if you're tested positive in the previous few weeks tested is positive for, for COVID-19 then you weren't coming the government didn't want anybody or any risk of bringing um, you know new variants or whatever it is to um, into the country so if you tested positive in the in the previous two or three weeks your chances of actually getting into the country were pretty pretty slim um, but yeah, so the documentation that we had to fill in, um, just uh, to summarize it very quickly, you know, you had to get two QR codes, one for, um, you had to fill in documents for weeks and weeks before, and then you had to get a green code, which would mean that you would send, a, you know, every day we had to record, you know, have you got a fever? Have you got a runny nose? Have you got a sore throat? Have you been in contact with anybody? Have you had it yourself? And you had to tick all these boxes, you know, it was like a 30 30 question questionnaire online um, you had to take a temperature reading every day to see that you didn't have um, fevers and all that kind of thing and then uh, in the day or yeah, 48 hours before your flight you would send this document um, as well as two clear PCR tests so that's a test with the nose and a throat swab that would have to go to independent labs and um, I think most of us, well, I did it, you know, I did myself, uh, had to get a test from uh, two, like I said, two different uh, independent labs that had been recognized and approved by the Chinese government. So you got one test 96 hours before and another PCR test from another lab 
Um, again, that's what I did from a Chinese approved lab uh, 48 hours before you got on the airplane. Um, so that was, um, let's say, anxiety inducing. I think that's a good way to put it. Um, so yeah, preparing for a big event, you know, you're going to be away from your family. You're going to be, you know, you have to make sure you bring all the right equipment. You got to, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's quite stressful in the preparation. Um, you know, just on as a as a photographer coming to these events and add these extra layers. And again, that's and you know, I I think personally, you know, obviously it was anxiety inducing for myself and for all my fellow photographers and editors that have had to come here. But again, I think the main the appreciation for our bosses, the signing editors, uh, for the people that organise this for us uh, as a as Getty Images, they get all the credit in my opinion because you know the amount of documentation that they had to go through to make sure that we would have as as, as easy as possible made it. Um, yeah, I can't even imagine what what kind of stress you're going through. So yeah, and again, I can imagine if you're an athlete, you know, if you've got like I have three young children. And you know they're all in separate classes, so every day those kids were exposed to another 20, 25 kids. You know, so let's say 60 to 75 kids just in their classrooms, and that doesn't encounter, uh, encounter the you know lunchtime and playtime when they're playing outside. And uh, this, uh, at the moment, you know, in the history of Corona, we're in this variant called Omicron, which was very easily transmissible. Uh, luckily, it wasn't as um, uh, deadly, and you know, it wasn't as serious when people did get it. But it was everywhere, you know. And I live in the Netherlands, and I know again, if you lived in England or other countries, you know, every country at the moment, uh, you know, it seems to be very infectious, and everybody knows somebody who had it. So to try to keep um, uh, negative in when all this is happening around you, because, you know, as a sports photographer, this is where I want to be, you know. Uh, I'm from Australia, if you listen to past interviews, I'm from Australia, and you might have picked that up on the accent. But, um, so I've become a bit of a regular covering speed skating. So my main job here will be speed skating. So, you know, as a person who covers so much long track and short track, but mainly long track speed skating, this is where I wanted to be as a sports photographer. You know, if you're an athlete, you want to win a medal. If you're a sports photographer who covers a certain, you know, it's like if you're a football photographer, you want to be at a World Cup. You want to be at a European Championships. That's where you're sort of, well, that's where you'd, you'd want to be as a as a professional. You know, if you're a golf uh, photographer, you want to be working at a Masters. If you're a cricket photographer, you want to be working at a, you know, a Cricket World Cup or an Ashes or something along those lines. So for me, um, you know, I desperately wanted to be here and it made it quite a challenge to make sure I stayed negative. Um, I also had to, you know, luckily again, I had very considerate uh, kids. Um, you know, I had to, again, it's a small thing, but it helped a lot, you know, that my kids didn't go to friends' houses and play inside, you know, and friends that they normally would come and play at our house, we didn't let them come and play at our house. Now, you know, some people will say that, you know, you're being too cautious or, you know, you shouldn't change your life. But, you know, I think you sort of have to take these, you know, it was for the last month or so, you really had to take extra precaution. You know, every time I went to the shops, two masks on. Every time you touch something, uh, you know, you walk out of a shops, you know, again, supermarket, uh, 
you know, hand sanitizer in the car, all that kind of stuff. You're just sort of taking a little bit more um, caution and taking uh, uh, as much care to protect yourself, of course, and your family as possible. Um, but yeah, the last thing you want to do is get, you know, a day or two days out from getting on that airplane and then finding out that you've tested positive for Corona or, you know, for me, worse still, and, you know, I have heard of it, it's, ha it's happened here, you know, someone has two negative tests in their own country and then gets here and as soon as we got off the plane, um, and I'll get to the plane journeys in a second, as soon as you get off the plane um, in Beijing, you were greeted by a wall of people in hazmat suits with gloves and goggles and uh, face shields and obviously masks and you know everything was taped up so all the the um, the seams on the gloves to the suits were you know wrapped in like a like tape you know the the masks and the goggles had tape, you know, so, I mean, it felt like you were walking into some sort of apocalypse, you know, a zombie, you know, clean zone, not a, uh, not a country welcoming you to, to cover a, a major event. So, you know, again, it was a very different day and you get off the plane, you're escorted through and your first uh, contact, uh, you know, apart from the people pointing you through, was to sit down on a chair and somebody having a probably, you know, let's say maybe 15 centimeter uh, ear bud style um, you know cotton tip you know put your head back and then they would scrape the bottom of your throat and these people uh, you know were doing hundreds hundreds a day uh, you know as people getting off these planes from all over the world to cover this event and you've got someone scraping the back of your throat and then um, getting another swab and again, this is something you know I've done you know probably a hundred plus tests in the last two years. Well, I'd probably say that's probably being generous. More than a hundred tests, PCR tests, not just the quick test. You know the you know the quick one you just put up your nose, but like a proper test, putting this right down there, and they're rotating it, and then you know you get out and your eyes are watering, and then you put back on your mask because obviously we had to wear masks, and we couldn't just wear any piece of cloth. You had to wear a, a N95 or a KN95. There are certain grades of medical masks that you must be wearing. And then from the procedure there, we had to go through to passport control. And, you know, obviously before we even got on the plane, you know, I got on from Amsterdam to London and then London to Beijing. Um, you know, you had to have your QR codes. You have to have all the stuff that the government needed to prove, the Chinese government needed to approve. Um, had to be in order before you even got on the plane. So, you know, there was no, you know, oh, I'll worry about this later. You really had to be thinking about this event, you know, in the month, months prior to actually arriving in the country. Um, yeah, and in terms of the flights, again, thank you to Sandra. I don't know if she listens to the podcast, but Sandra is uh, the person that was organizing all this for us. She did an amazing job to control, um, you know, a lot of photographers, you know, who are big babies at the best of times, um, and organize everybody's, uh, you know, flights from all over the world was a astronomical event. So, you know, um, I would have given her a hug when we arrived, but you're not allowed to. But uh, you, uh, she organized, you know, personally, 
you know, I flew, you know, early morning uh, to Amsterdam to London, and then London we had a 10 hour, I had a 10 hour layover, but again, she organized it very well, so we could stay in the in the BA lounge, you know, like one of these uh, airport lounges, and then colleagues from all over Europe were flying into the same lounge, we all waited there, then our British colleagues had to check in very early as well, you know, they were all there five, six hours before the flight itself, and then from there, uh, we flew to Beijing, and personally, from the time I left my house until the time I walked into the hotel, it was a 27, 28 hour journey. Um, my Spanish colleague, Mr. Ramos, one of the kings of sports photography, um, he had a 30 hour journey. Uh, you know, I heard a, there was a guy from the States, he had a 37 hour journey because, you know, again, in the pre-pandemic days, you could go to any major airport and get a flight from your country to you know whatever major city you wanted to. These days, um, obviously so much international travel has been uh, changed, diverted, uh, cancelled, that you know a lot of people had to go from this airport to this airport, you know, to fly to you know a lot of people from the States or from other uh, countries, you know, I know the, from Paris, there was a direct flight, but you know, not everybody lives in Paris, so a lot of people had to fly, you know, from from Warsaw to Paris, Paris to um, to Beijing. You know, the a lot of the Americans, you know, from New York, from LA, had to fly to Hong Kong, Tokyo, Singapore, to Beijing. So again, and all these flights are not just like, oh, jump on this plane, off that plane. Everything needed to take time. Everybody had to be on those same flights. And again, everybody that was flying in from all over the world had to do exactly what I've just described to you before with these, you know, documents, QR codes, uh, testing, different stations, you know, it, it's just been a, a, a monster effort to appease, to make sure that all these uh, Chinese regulations were met. And again, this is all the stuff I'm talking about has nothing to do with the sports photography <laughs> yet. So, you know, it was just, that kind of thing is something that I really wanted to um, not only tell you guys, but also uh, keep a record for myself as well to remind myself, you know, and that's part of the reason that I, you know, if you listen to my podcast, uh, it's sort of uh, almost like a dictation to remember for myself when I go back and hopefully listen to these kind of things in a few, in 20 or 30 years and remind myself how, um, how, uh, yeah, see how the world has changed in 30 years too. But anyway, um, so yeah, we've arrived um, we did all the um, regulations and tests and then um, I've, like I said, I've been here for a couple days now, three days, three nights, uh, and I had the opportunity to see the, uh, the facilities here. Um, we at Getty have a media, we have a room um, with, uh, with uh, AFP Reuters. There's a certain section of the media center, the main press center which uh, a lot of the agencies um, and the Chinese, um, big Chinese agency, um, they, we all have these big rooms up the top. Most of um, the uh, smaller agencies or freelance photographers or independent photographers uh, right on the bottom floor. Um, the media center is enormous um, with the longest escalators I've ever seen. Um, you know, you have all the food in there and the thing, um, I was in Beijing in 2008 for the, my first Olympics, and uh, they've sort of kept a little bit of the same system, 
where you, your hotel is part of uh, the actual Olympics. So, you know, in other venues and stuff, you know, you have a hotel and you'll go to a press center or a stadium and you'll do security checks here. The way this Olympics is working and it is you have, um, the, it's in a bubble. So every staff member that works at this hotel is in the bubble. Every security guard that is standing outside for 14 hours a day is in the bubble. They're actually staying in these hotels. So when we leave our hotel, we go through security checks. You know, obviously your accreditation is checked. We do a PCR test every day. It's only a throat swab, but we do a PCR test every day for your accreditation to work for 24 hours. So if you do not do your test or you forget to do a test, your accreditation will not let you leave the hotel until that um, test is confirmed that you are negative. Um, so yeah, from the hotel, once you do your security check, you get in your the obviously allocated buses that again are sealed off. You know, there's a big plastic wall between us and the driver. Every second seat has a do not sit here sign. You know, social distancing in a bus. I don't know how that works, but it's working now. Um, you get into the bus and then that takes you to the press center, um, which is also the transport hub. And then from there, you can, you know, once you get on that bus, you get to the media center and you can either go into the media center or you can go straight to one of the, you know, lots and lots of bus stops, which will take you to the other venues. And then at those venues, you get off and you walk straight into the venue. Because again, every single stadium, every single venue has a big fence around it with security guards, you know, within five or 10 meters of each other. There's cameras everywhere and we're all, they call it the loop, you know, you're in a loop. So you are not allowed to exit. You have to stay in that loop. And again, makes it a very, very unique major event to be so restricted. You know, last time we were here in 2008, you know, if you had a few hours off in the morning, you could walk out your hotel, walk into some shops. You know, I walked into a bakery that was only making, you know, these amazing uh, steamed buns, you know, with chicken or pork or, or, you know, red bean. I mean, it was just incredible local food and, you know, or some of these amazing local markets. And again, new cultures, new food, you know, that's part of the joy of being a, a sports photographer for Getty Images. Um, all that has been, you know, is gone for this event. But, you know, again, if you want to be here as a sports photographer, if you want to cover the major events, these are the kind of things that unfortunately are not happening at the moment. But hopefully, when that you know things do open up again in a year or two years, or who knows, you know, no, uh, no crystal ball here. Um, you know, we'll get back to that sort of joy that you get. You know, the international flavors of the foods and the people and the markets and all that kind of stuff, which comes with the job, you know, one of the, the major benefits of the job is getting to see the world as well, you know, apart from covering the best sporting events and best athletes in the world. So yeah, this is going to be a podcast that will probably go on just for a, you know, I'm going to try and do it, you know, every couple of days, I'll give you a quick rundown of, of uh, what I've been covering. I'll, I, like I said before, I will be covering uh, mainly the long track speed skating. So if you're a speed skating fan, definitely stick around. If you're not a speed skating fan, then um, this might not be the podcast for you. But I will be covering other events and I will be talking about other colleagues' ex experiences. Um, and yeah, I'll just before I go, 
the um, I'll be doing I'm speed skating and there's three different sections of the Winter Olympics there's the city you know uh, which is short track long track uh, curling and um, figure skating and I think there's a something which is not too far away which is a big air or something some jumping um, uh, event and then there's two uh, mountain events you know where the downhill the sled uh, the um, the luge um, you know all these kind of you know mountain events are a couple hours away you know three four hours away actually but you know it's freezing here at the moment it was snowing last night so I can imagine, you know, my colleagues, uh, you know, the Cam Spencers, Matthias Hangst, you know, if you're a sports photography fan, you will know these names. They are, you know, the best of the best. They're all up in the mountains, you know, where it is much colder than it is here and it's freezing here. So, yeah, hopefully I'll be able to get some voices of uh, my colleagues to give you a quick rundown of their experiences so far at the Winter Olympics. And uh, yeah, it's um, good to be back and uh, hopefully you'll follow me on social media, uh, all sports snapper, all one word, all sports snapper. Um, on Twitter and Instagram, you'll see sort of uh, my images. And um, yeah, from there I'll be tweeting and uh, sharing uh, my colleagues and uh, friends photos as well that um, are covering this um, this amazing amazing event so yeah stick around and um, yeah I hope you enjoy the podcast and I uh, the podcast to come thanks